Welcome to this week's Humans of Hospitality podcast with me, Mark Cribb. Now, I'm interviewing an awesome human being today, Charlie McVeigh. Charlie's been in the industry for many years as an operator of nightclubs and bars, and he sold his small group, The Draft House, to Brewdog, and now operates as a chairman and investor through his business, Bunker Projects. Charlie is currently chairman of The Breakfast Club and Butchie's Fried Chicken in London. Now, his backstory is fascinating, but he's already covered this in a couple of excellent podcasts that I also thoroughly recommend that you check out. Mark McCulloch did a great episode under the spectacular umbrella with Charlie a couple of years ago, but now also does a fantastic show under the Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, so well worth having a listen. And Hospitality Mavericks with Michael, uh, episode 46, goes into quite a bit of detail on Charlie's origins in the industry. Um, So just go to your podcast player of choice pop in Charlie McVeigh's name and uh, and you should see those two pop up so uh, yeah have a listen if you want the detail on Charlie's backstory uh, but in this episode I mainly caught up with Charlie to talk about the very soon to be launched Project Pint uh, what it stands for and how it came about now Project Pint is not really a political campaign and it's not trying to lobby for a specific opening date or other hospitality issues it's more a fun and inclusive way of helping Britain shift from the fear of going out to the fear of missing out Uh, and trying to do this as soon as possible when it's safe and getting people to fall back in love with the great British pint and going out with a mate. But because Charlie has such a great perspective on so many issues and regularly writes for Propel Info, I also took the opportunity to get his wider perspective on a few issues. We touch on how he'd had a warm-up for the lockdown post the sale of his business when he was in a non-compete period and had to take some uh, time off, and we chat about the three key things currently affecting hospitality, cash, distancing and that fear of going out. We talk about how anyone in hospitality should probably be seeking the advice of an insolvency lawyer at the moment, just in case, our thoughts for the future of the industry from both an independent and a chain perspective, and Charlie even gives me some well-needed business advice on not being a purist when it comes to craft beer. I really, really enjoyed this chat, and I will certainly be meeting up with Charlie for a pint to show my support for Project Pint as soon as possible when it's safe and just before we start please don't just think you'll remember this and do it later pause this right now pick up your phone scroll down to the review section on your podcast player and click on a five star review and please hit that subscribe button it really helps me out since i'll probably finally get round to seeking a sponsor or two soon to help pay for the running costs of this podcast whilst all of my hospitality venues are closed thank you so much and please enjoy the chat Charlie McVeigh from Bunker Projects, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hugely appreciated. Now, for most people, this is early on a uh, on a Saturday morning, Charlie. But are you are you still a five a.m. wake up guy, and are you at your home office? Because we're obviously in lockdown still. Of course, we are. Uh, um, absolutely. Um, I, in fact, when when people used to tell me when I was kind of twenty that, that the best hours of the day were you know between five and seven, I, I used to feel completely mystified by that. But um, I, I am now one of those old people who says, um, yeah. Five and seven to me is is the peak time of the day, particularly for working. I just get I get I get my my best work done then, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I'm much the same. To be fair, I'm a, I'm a morning person. Nine o'clock is pretty much lunchtime. Uh, so thank you for yeah. giving me a little bit of a lie-in, uh, yeah. at least. It's appreciated. Um, am I right in saying so? I'm I'm based down in Bournemouth, Charlie, down on the south coast. Am I right in saying that you used to live in the southwest at some point? Or? I do. I mean, I've been I've been uh, in isolation or locking down or whatever it's called. Um, 
uh, on Exmoor, so sort of near a, near a market town called Tiverton or South Moulton, yeah, uh, in, North, ah. in North Devon, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, where you are at the moment, is it? That's where I am at the moment, yeah. And uh, let's hope the internet holds up because uh, it's not the best. But um, yeah, we, we, okay, we are nice. off an EE mobile, at, which is which is at the top of the house, but it, it does seem to work most of the time. Perfect. All right, amazing. I'm so used to just speaking to people in London. I presumed that's uh, that's where you were, but it's nice to speak to somebody else in the southwest. We've been very oh, lucky, yeah. Touchwood, down here. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, I mean, I mean, Devon. I mean, they, they cleared out all the hospitals, and uh, and uh, there's been there's been very very few cases down here. So I'm, I'm you know, thankfully, I think I think actually there's a little mini uh, out, outbreak in um, Western Western or Supermare at the moment, but um, I, I, otherwise, I think it's been it's been. Uh, it's been very intense, and in fact, my mother is waiting for an operation, uh, and she was supposed to be having it um, prior to or during um, what what is now lockdown, and and uh, she's been unable to have it. So she's one of those people who um, who uh, who you know has had their health compromised by by lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully that will be sorted very soon. So, which is what we're going to come on to. So, I mainly got you on today to chat about Project Pint and something that you're uh, launching next week, I believe. Um, and we'll come on to that. But just to set a little bit of, of context, first of all, um, I guess you're best known probably within the industry for the Draft House, which you sold to Brewdog. And uh, I, I was reading that in you know just after that sale, you were. Uh, locked into a sort of, I don't know, a non-competition clause, I guess, and had some enforced downtime. So was there anything that went on during that sort of enforced period of reflection that, that particularly had an impact on what you're doing now and, and your sort of current role in hospitality? Well, it's a good question, actually. No, I haven't talked about that for a while, but it's interesting, uh, given what's going on at the moment, because um, I, I had my own little sort of, in a way, mini lockdown because I was unable to to, to, to work, uh, which actually was very good for me because I've I, I, in the past built up five different businesses in hospitality and sold them. And, and each time, you know, I was getting close to selling one, I was set up another one. So I've never really had a break. Uh, and I've always been sort of afflicted by sort of um you know entrepreneurial mania uh and uh, so it was it was actually rather wonderful to to have some time off and and in fact um you know the day that it was announced in in the trades um there's this guy um called jasper reed uh, who lives out in um in new delhi in india uh who owns the wendy's franchise out there uh, he's an old old buddy of mine married also to an old friend of mine and he he rang me um straight away uh from De- from delhi and said mate, you know, you're going to be really, really confused. Um, you know, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. So why don't you just come to India and we'll do a cook's tour. Uh, so that was that was sort of really the ideal um, cure for, because because essentially what had happened was we'd, we'd, we had bought uh, another pub group called Grand Union. Uh, that had taken six months to do. And as soon as we signed on that, Brewdog made the offer. Then we would had another four months uh, of, you know, doing that deal. So essentially I was living in, you know, living off biscuits in in solicitors' offices for ten months, um, and uh, feeling that you know hadn't really seen daylight, uh, and then suddenly I came blinking out into the light, having having sold um, having sold Draft House, and and then I went to India, and we we had this amazing tour of sort of you know India India. What 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 I had been to India when I was eighteen, and I was just astounded by how it had changed, and 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 the reason it's relevant um, also is because uh, Jasper Reed and his wife Megan have been. You know, you, you, you're, you're probably aware that India has had this very, very extreme lockdown, which has caused uh, 200 million day workers to, to effectively be starving and, and, and sleeping on the street um, because they've been unable to get work. And they, they've, they're running this incredible charity out there to, um, to, to get those people back home to where they come from and to feed them and so on. So, uh, And I've been sort of 
help helping, but I've, I've given a, a tiny bit of money to that, and I've been sort of following their progress, and uh, and it, it's it's amazing. So yeah, it's, it's sort of come back around again. But no, so so, but essentially, I spent a long time just um, catching up, having having been underground in the business for for, for a very long time. I spent a, I spent most of the the rest of twenty. We sold it in spring twenty eighteen. I spent about nine months just you know talking to people, trying to understand what was going on in the market. Uh, yeah, talking to people who needed who needed advice on on fundraising, on strategy, and so on, and 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 ended up um, hooking up with uh, with with two businesses. Uh, one one is uh, Butchie's uh, Buttermilk Fried Chicken, <clears throat> run by an Irishman called Gareth Fitzgerald, which um, miraculously has has had an incredible uh, has had an incredible COVID, which I don't think many um, hospitality businesses businesses can say. But they we've actually opened a couple of dark kitchens uh, in London. During during the crisis, and we we're, we're posting record sales and profits uh, because of the uh, the insatiable demand for delivery for our chicken. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, and then the, the other one is 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 just this phenomenal business um, called the Breakfast Club, which um, you know founded by Jonathan Arana Morton and Ali Rooney uh, in in two thousand and five, and has twelve sites and still has queues outside their units, and just just an incredible customer traction and. That's been a very exciting journey. I mean, sadly, we 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 it's been you know the other side of the coin there at least for the first six weeks of lockdown where we we had zero sales and were, were completely closed down and everyone on furlough. But about I think three weeks ago we 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 opened our Hackney Wick site and almost immediately started doing seventy five percent of normal sales there on takeaway and and delivery and 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 we've rapidly started opening other sites and actually that's that's now going pretty well. So um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are opportunities in this in this environment, um, but it's yeah. very very tough, very very. Tough. Yeah, that, well, that's really good, isn't it? So that's predominantly the um, that's that's takeout, that's people collecting at the breakfast club. Well, isn't it? the Hackney one is the most successful because it's on the canal uh, in Hackney Wick, and so you know when people are taking their, their daily exercise, uh, as we've now you know come to call it. Uh, they they walk past and they buy a coffee or a pint or a or, or a bacon roll or all three uh, and uh, and they sit outside or they sit on the canal and and it's just it's just lovely there so uh, you know it, it's it's not surprising that they're doing well and, and plus you know it's an, it's a brand I think that people have very much missed um, and you know the, the the take up on delivery has straight away been phenomenal and Jonathan had always the founder Jonathan Arana Morton had always been very anti delivery because he felt that the whole point of the brand was that that customer contact and the warmth and and the sort of unique staff culture that they have, but 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 having been forced into it, I think we now realise that um, it's 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 probably going to be part of our future post COVID. How how are they coping with the thirty three percent ish margin that the uh, delivery companies take? Because that 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 shifts things quite a lot. If that's never been in your model before, doesn't it? Well, none of the businesses I've ever been involved in have paid that much, but um, right. uh, I think that's a sort of starting starting price. Um, yeah. And I think there are you know particularly when they've been knocking on the door for a long time um i think i think there's all kinds of deals available um but but even so i mean i think uh, you, you, the point about uh, a delivery only business or a delivery and click and collect only business is is that you, you you're losing a lot of other costs uh in the equation so essentially your front of house pretty much disappears uh and uh, so so you know you, you you can offset some of that or or in the case of butchies most of it um, so that you end up, you know, pretty much making the same amount of money uh, on a on a on a on a unit level. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's probably the case with Breakfast Club, but with Butchers it is. 
Yeah, I think if you build it into your original design and you've got high margin, I just think it's really tough. I think the original idea of, of delivery in its early guys was kind of, you know, restaurant quality food, wasn't it? And having restaurant food delivered to your house. But but quite quickly, I think most restaurants worked out that, yeah, that was really challenging to do with our higher overheads. But yeah, if you build it into your model from day one and, and lose a lot of those traditional restaurant costs, I guess it's it's much more viable. But it's, it's interesting that we're all having to pivot into things we probably didn't yeah. plan on doing. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But I think, I think that... Um, you know, the restaurant model of the future um, probably has, for example, two entrances, you know, it has a, it has a delivery collection point and then, then it has a customer entrance. And because I, I, you know, what we were already starting to see, you know, uh, a, a while before COVID was, was, you know, customers sitting there being nudged by men in high vis coming in to collect food. And it just, it just was kind of, among other things, it was kind of killing the vibe in, in, in the restaurant. Um, and, you know, I think, I think for, for lots and lots of reasons, um, you know, Deliveroo has been has been a you know has been a clear and present danger to the restaurant business for for a long time. But there, there are certain business models, and as you say, one one of the key uh, aspects is is margin, which 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 can thrive under delivery. But I think you need to be at seventy five percent plus uh, <coughs> food GP for that for that to be for that to be viable. Yeah. Okay. So I've been uh, interviewing operators, I guess, over the last 12 months, and people have seemed to have been far more honest and, and maybe, um, you know, as a result of, of the pandemic, people have been talking more. And I suppose how quickly we've seen the industry sort of on its knees. But most people I chat to say that 2019 was probably the toughest year that they remember uh, in hospitality. Maybe not. I know you've spoken before about 2009 and the crash that we had then in the, in the, in the impact. But certainly in the general operating, we were in this squeeze between uh, really tight margins, high costs. Uh, what, what's your thought on before we came in, into the pandemic, kind of, you know, where the industry was and would you say that was fair in, in the challenges that people were facing last year yeah no i mean i wrote an article um for um for i, I have a monthly column in propel premium and i wrote an article um in i think february sort of which didn't mention covid and i wasn't maybe it was even january actually but in which i in which i sort of outline what I thought were the, the big challenges facing the industry and, 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 and what I felt needed to be done, you know, about those challenges. And, I, and the, the main one was, um, I thought that we, you know, there was, there was so much pressure from investors to, to deliver returns that it had caused the industry to, to, um, you know, overexpand, uh, and to, extract too much money to destroy staff culture uh, and all of that and i and i my my my, my metaphor uh, was that we should be dancing like nobody's watching we basically just would need to run great restaurants have great teams uh and uh you know cook great food have wonderful warm service uh and and you know the money will follow i think i think the whole industry had become and i yeah i'm i speak as somebody who's who's very who is very spreadsheet driven but the, but the whole the whole industry becomes so spreadsheet driven uh, that it, it had essentially it had essentially committed sort of mass suicide, um, you know, between um, twenty fourteen and I don't know twenty seventeen, and then the results started to really flow through, you know, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, when we saw all the CVAs and, and and everything else, and there were some great businesses in there. I mean, Byron was a phenomenal business, but they just you know once once PE got in there, they 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 they, they the, the looks good on a spreadsheet theory um just killed that business because you know they they could they you know they could see that you know they had whatever it was when they bought at 20 restaurants that were 
doing incredible numbers uh, and they thought well if we five times that um we'll 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 have we'll have even more money because there'll be economies of scale you know uh and instead uh, <laughs> they just killed the brand and the business and the team uh and ended up you know ended up bankrupt and and i and i think that happened you know across the piece so um i think i think one one of the things that that may come out of this is 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 possibly a focus on running a smaller better businesses that are more profitable um but that don't necessarily aspire by definition to scale i mean i think the idea that that, that there will never be you know there'll never be another nando's or <clears throat> or another mcdonald's or another whatever is is complete nonsense of course there will coming out of that i mean i think loungers have shown us that that you know how possible it is um but but equally, I think that you know there will only ever be, by definition, there will only ever be a few of those. Uh, but but there's plenty of room for for well-run smaller businesses, either independents or, or or smaller groups. And I think that, you know the idea that we just have to keep expanding at a relentless pace uh, is 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 you know particularly given that you know you go through various thresholds of growth. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Crispin Tweddle from from Piper Private Equity talks about seven, seventeen, and seventy. Very commonly cited numbers in in hospitality but but these are numbers of sites and that you go through thresholds of growth you know and, and when you go through seven sites you have to change your head office you have to change your culture and then seven you know 17 and then 70 the same uh and it's very very difficult to make those changes you know and and to successfully grow through those through those thresholds um and you know maybe it's better to stay at six and just run a fabulous business and and live happily and have a wonderful team and and enjoy enjoy hanging out with them enjoy your customers and 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 uh you know you can still probably take out a couple of hundred grand a year and live very well so you know i i think i think maybe you know as we've all been sitting at home you know staring at our navels wondering what we actually want to do and want, want to do with ourselves i think maybe that might be the outcome for some people maybe not maybe we'll go back to maybe maybe the old normal is is more real than we think it is i don't know but but, but i think yeah. possibility for sure yeah, and, and personally, I like to see that as a positive. I mean, the, the reason this podcast is called The Humans of Hospitality and not The Brands of Hospitality is although I've got absolute respect and admiration for people that can grow their businesses, I did get a bit depressed with the sort of the beigeness of, of the high street and seeing the sort of, you know, yeah, places lose their soul and just be rolled out on a national level. And for me, hospitality has always been much more, I suppose, you know what, what? What you sort of remember, I suppose, about holidays when you walk into a really cool sort of beach bar and the clinking of glasses and the atmosphere and that kind of energy and, and stuff. And it felt like we were turning hospitality into a commodity, and it was that race towards mediocrity. So, do you yeah. think that might be a positive thing if we go back to yeah, that sort I mean, of smaller? I think. I think. I think. I, I hear you, um, but I think that that, that it, it it applies in different ways at different at different ends of the market. So I, th- I think, for example, in in the QSR space, I think actually what people want is strong brand consistency, uh, you know, quality, value, cleanliness, whatever you want to call it, um, and and great food and so on. Uh, and you know, personality is not really a part of that. But I think as you go up the scale, um, you know, it becomes harder and harder to do it on on on. At, at scale, uh, you know, at, at numbers of restaurants, uh, and so um, I think if you want to do, I mean, I, I don't know whether you read um, Tim Haywood's um, piece in the FT. Um, he, I did, yeah, I read it yesterday. It's great. I think he's live today, actually taking questions um, on on a sort of Q and A thing uh, through the FT. But but um, actually, I didn't realize that he, that he owned a restaurant in um, or a bakery in, in Cambridge. I wasn't aware of that. But um, Fitzbilly's, um, but um, which I, which I, the, Chel- the Chelsea Buns look amazing. 
uh, <laughs> I, I clicked on the link. But but um, you know, I think <clears throat> his point is, you know, he takes a much more gloomy view than I do, and he's 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 fairly horrified. I mean, horrified and disgusted, I think, by what's happened in hospitality, and takes a very I think purist view of of that kind of chef led um, restaurant, which of course is fantastic, and you know, I mean. We love it, but not. I don't think every every town can sustain a chef led restaurant. And I think I think in in some ways, I think a business like Lounges has been the savior of of many small towns that had nothing good or nothing at all, uh, and opening up in in you know tiny market towns where which were blighted um, by you know uh, you know the supermarkets and 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 then Amazon and you know uh, and 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 you know, drink driving rules and, 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 and all the rest of it, you know, which, which would cause pubs and restaurants to close or just become crap. Uh, they, they bring something that's really sustainable and, and, and consistent and high quality, uh, which, which, um, which I think can give, can give the town a bit of its town center back, you know? Um, so I, I, so I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as skeptical as, as Tim is. In fact, there's a wonderful story that Alex Riley, who's the founder of lounges, and for those who don't, I'm sure everyone knows lounges, but lounges incredible success story with 200 sites or so cafe bars open at eight in the morning and they trade sort of pretty much consistently all the way through through till 11 p.m and they were opening in 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 a i don't know what it, i can't remember the town i think some market town outside of um outside of leicester and uh alex is at the launch and this this this, this lady comes up to him and says um are, are you the owner and he goes, he goes yes i am and she says can i ask you something and he goes yeah and he she goes actually it's more. I'm just begging. He, he, she says, "Please don't close, because everyone else in this town closes." And he goes, "Don't worry, we're not going to close." Uh, and I think you know, that's a, that's a business with 200 sites. But I think that shows what that can do uh, to a community. So, so you know, I guess I'm. I guess I'm. Uh, you know, I can see. I can see both sides of that. But um, yeah. But I, I yeah, now, think that at the higher level, you know, that, at, at, there's, a, there's a huge amount of value in, in staying small and, and and that kind of personal touch and the you know chef led and get it. I totally get it. Yeah, and and I guess the danger. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of both. I agree 100 the QSR market, and and I agree that some people, you know, lounges are phenomenal in the speed that they manage to grow, and 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 I guess they still manage to get some sort of you know local interesting kind of beers in. Same as Honest Burgers, actually, when they kind of expand, yeah. and they still make sure that they've got some local you know deli relish or cheese and a, and, a, and a few local beers. So clearly, there's a way of doing it. I, I guess it's more the ones that are completely formulaic where everyone is identical and and i I guess that the challenge that they add is more that they squeeze out because because they've got you know potentially deeper pockets or they've got a longer time period that they can monetize their investment when when too many of them rock up in a town then it just pushes out those independents so ideally you'd have both but for me given the choice between one and the other i i'd hate to see those independents not survive i I totally agree and and i i think what you know another project that 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 i was looking at pre-covid and i think probably more relevant now um, and po- possibly more possible now is we we were we were looking at something called the new, the new town center fund, which was essentially to to buy up you know a chunk of town center property, uh, you know, with nice built architecture, decent parking, a supportive council, uh, good good demographic around the town, but but a broken town center full of vape shops and and charity shops, um, and you know too many chains and 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 all the rest of it, and 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 try to build something that was, you know effectively a you know effectively a, a shopping center but which which had internet proof shops and good restaurants good cafes some local some some brands but just try and create an area that people actually wanted to come to 
uh, and, uh, and you know, a, 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 like like a, a market town version of of, of, of um, Covent Garden with Capco. You know what they've done uh, there, or or what or what Howard DeWalden have done in Marlborough High Street. Uh, and I, I I absolutely know. I mean, if you look at you know most B roads now in 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 posh areas have got a farm shop. You know, uh, and if you look at the, the the traction that the farm shop has to um, all kinds of different people who just like pulling in and parking on a on a bit of muddy gravel and going in and 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 and, and buying some buying some overpriced fresh veg and flowers and 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 uh, 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 you know and some belly food, uh, maybe a bit of pottery. Uh, you know, it shows you that those people probably wouldn't be seen dead in whatever the Into uh, shopping centre is, uh, uh, and they wouldn't also be seen dead uh, in 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 their town centre anymore. Um, but they still want to go out and have an experience. Uh, so uh, I think I think it's interesting. I don't I don't I'm not riding off the high street from that point of view. Um, but I think it does need. Um, you know, as I say, when you look at say Howard DeWalden or Capco, I think I think it does need that kind of um, single landlord or cooperating landlords. The real the real issue in a lot of town centres, and what's actually led to this kind of crappy uh, curation, if you like, is is that um, the institutions sold off all the all the properties in the in the eighties and nineties um, to in, into you know sort of dentists uh, sips, you know, into their into their pensions. Uh, they were bought as investments, and the, the dentist might have bought a, you know, a hardware store or a restaurant on a seven percent yield, and 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 now it's a vape shop that's not paying the rent, you know, and 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 there's no way of court. The dentist may not even live in, I don't know, Bournemouth. He, he might be living in Leicester, uh, and and he doesn't care what all he wants is his rent, you know. So I think I think this this the the, the, the structural challenges in in um, in town center property. Uh, market town property uh, are, are huge, but <clears throat> I think they can be overcome. Uh, and I think particularly now, where it looks like commercial property is going to be taken absolute pasting, uh, you know, through through the COVID thing, I think the, the, there's there's an even bigger opportunity to do that. So you know, watch this space. Let's see if we can get something going. Yeah, I love that phrase, crappy curation. I've, I've made a note of that. That's, a good, that's not something they aim at, presumably. It's just a, a, an accident. <laughs> I think it's, it's almost easier to get it right if you actually control. Uh, if you actually control enough property, I mean, the problem is only controlling one. It's difficult. You can't you can't manage what's going on around you. You can't create an area that people actually want to go to. So yeah, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. We're looking at a, a lot of shops locally, and you, you used to have the issue that the shops, I guess, the the, the space above shops uh, was cheap enough. So you know, the, 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 once upon a time they were residential above shops, and they had an entrance on the ground floor that went into the shop, and then a separate entrance that went upstairs, and then the shop started taking these as stock rooms and offices and stuff like that. And without a doubt, you know, with, with retail being on its knees, they don't need those upper sort of two or three floors. So it feels like you know the town centres are craving out for people to move back into the town centres to give them life. So maybe we can go back to having two entrances again you know and and, and start to bring all of those upper disused stock rooms back to life uh, and bring people back into the town centers well that's the that's the flip side of it i mean there should be there should be gold in in them hills as well because you know for exactly the reasons you say you buy a chunk of property you get the ground floor working you, you turn around the, the vibe in the area and suddenly the upper parts become valuable you know residential so I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it seems to be a no-brainer to me whether you know, in, in whether in reality, when you actually go and try and do it, and we were starting to look at stuff um, pre-COVID. Um, you know, I think I think when you're confronted with the reality of it, it, it that it's always there's always you know greater challenges. Yeah. I still think yeah. that 
I still think it's something that <coughs> that will be done by someone and probably by more than one one you know probably by lots of people and I think it's going to be very exciting when it happens I, I'd certainly like to be part of it um what, yeah what no agreed 100 I think it'd be great I think like you say the challenge is, is getting those landlords to agree and since we've touched on on landlords sort of jumping around the topics we're what four and a half weeks away from the next quarter's rent it, you mentioned then this sort of reality of the the potential commercial implosion of, of of that sector part of that driven by the fact that it's not a a won't pay it's a can't pay for so many restaurants what's your thoughts on on that sort of uh, horizon for rents and how do we get out of this little mess um well, I mean, it looks like it's 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 fairly fast moving picture at the moment, and the, the, the government put out an announcement yesterday, which I, I have to say I haven't fully digested yet um, about um, you know their thoughts on how to solve this. Um, but uh, so I'm not going to pronounce on it um, today. But I I, I think um, whatever happens, uh, if the government wants to keep um, hospitality and retail companies whole uh, through through this, then, um, you know, something needs to be done about, uh, the March quarter, which most people still owe, uh, and, and the June quarter and the September quarter, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think thereafter, uh, if you can't survive, I think you're on your own. Um, but I think those, this, this nine months of, of, of rent is, is essentially rent that's, that's, that's being charged at a time when either there's, there's zero sales or, or negligible sales. And then of course, Coming out of this, um, you know, we've a lot of people um, haven't paid their January and February trade creditor invoices. You know, um, so coming out of this, you know, to, to restart those relationships, uh, you know, it's just a huge backlog of debt, uh, and a, a lot of people are, you know, looking at trying to fund that uh, through, you know, the, the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme C bills. Um, but you know, all you're doing is taking on debt to pay off losses, which then you've got to repay over five years and. I, I don't think that's viable either. Uh, so um, I think I think it's I think it's very difficult, and I don't think we've yet seen. I don't think we've seen, you know, everything that the government's got yet. I think there's more to come. Uh, I'm sure, and I think you know the the, the, the thing is the thing is move, as I say, it's a very fast moving picture. But but I, I think the announcement yesterday um, regarding um, the CJRS, you know, the furlough scheme. Uh, I think was disappointing, um, not because it's not generous. I think it's unbelievably generous. In fact, I think in some ways it might be too generous, given that it it it, it, it encapsulates all business rather than the sectors. I think that really really need it. Uh, but maybe that was just they just didn't want to get into that argument and they're prepared to pay to stay out of that argument. Okay, fine. Um, you know, maybe life's too short. I don't know, but um, it's a lot of money. Um, but what, what I what I, I mean, I was, you know, again, I was, you know, listening to Roy Ellis and Peter Borg Neal and I like, sort of jumping in on one of the one of the uh, WhatsApp groups this morning. And I think I think the um, I think the concern is that we're, 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 we're paying people to stay at home and we're not giving business support to re to, to take those guys off furlough. So as soon as we take them off furlough, we have to pay them. Uh, and we're not really creating any incentive um, to do that. Um, and, uh, I, I, for me, it, that's, that's just asked backwards. You know, I think, I think businesses should be encouraged to reopen and one way to do that, um, cause, because it's desperately needed for the economy and it will help them to, to, to navigate this thing without going bust. Um, and one way to do that is, is to support, you know, 
workers back into the businesses for a period of time. Uh, and, and instead, you know, what they're saying is you can either stay at home and get paid by the government or you can go back to work and be paid by the company, which, of course, in normal circumstances would be perfectly fair. But in, it just on a purely a practical level, uh, and, you know, this, this also feeds into the into the Project Pint discussion, you know, there is... It, it, there, there is a, a population, um, I think 53% of people are sat at home and think the government's going too fast on, on releasing lockdown. So we need to create both financial incentives and we need to change the narrative um, around, uh, around the virus uh, so that we can start to restore people's confidence and we can start to give them incentives um, to go back to work. Um, and companies, you know, a lot of founders are, are, are sat at home afraid as well. A lot of a lot of CEOs, a lot of directors, you know, people need to be pe- people need to be given real reasons to to to, to get going again, um, because I think there is an exciting world uh, awaiting us in 2021. I think I think you know that, that it's going to be a less competitive world, and and I think that people, I think you know, my my personal view is I think it will probably bounce back a little bit quicker than people think, and I think that those that survive. Uh, might might even thrive, but to get there is is you know it needs it needs a, I think it needs a more nuanced approach around around messaging and um, incentivizing people to get back to work. Yeah, just just quickly whilst we're on JRS, so yesterday one of the announcements that looked really useful was this ability to bring people back in part time from July. So the fact you could do maybe two days, three days a week at work and be refurloughed the rest, because the current scheme of you know three weeks off uh, as a minimum each time is uh, is unfeasible. And certainly in our sector, you know, you look and go right if we are released in some way in July, you know, having people in maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be much more feasible than having them in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Whereas maybe we would we would have run early in the week at a loss you know because it didn't matter at that time we're just not going to have the cash flow in our businesses to do that so that looks really useful but the bit that looked uh, somewhat terrifying i guess was this idea of starting to pay costs you know straight away in, in august potentially we'll only have been open for three weeks and, and our team are furloughed we're being asked to pay their pensions and national insurance and then 10 percent the following month do you think since we're so late and, and i think i was disappointed that, that hospitality wasn't mentioned because we're only just have going to open do you think there's an inevitability now that people are going to start looking at at layoffs uh, in preparation of just not knowing if they need those teams in in august and september well i i, I mean yes of course um and i mean i don't this is a terrible thing to say i don't necessarily think that that that's a bad thing um in the sense that uh, and I, I'm, I'm you know don't shoot me but no 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 no, no I'm, I'm interested in the sense that you know, one of the things I've been saying to anyone who'll listen, um, including my investees, is you know this is a unique op- opportunity. Um, coronavirus presents every every it presents them with a huge set of challenges and the the, the 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 absolute possibility of going bankrupt. But it also present as a result, it presents you with the kind of that existential threat creates an opportunity, which is to remake your business in 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 a way that is that is maybe what you know. With through everything you've learned through running it, that is kind of it, 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 its ideal state, you know, whatever that is. Uh, and I mean, I've been describing it as building building a new Jerusalem, you know, uh, where you you know you 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 can create the perfect business, the perfect culture, and so on, uh, with the perfect team. And I think recruiting, for example, is going to be a lot easier, um, you know, going forward. So I think I think that you know a lot of businesses will come out of this. And I know I know that you know pretty much everyone I've spoken to, you know, whether they know it or not, is is doing this. Um, Will come out of it in better shape. Those that survive, and part of that, unfortunately, is 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 you know is going to be trimming the team. Partly because um, 
you know, there isn't going to be the, the the work for them to do because it will be a slow recovery. Um, I think the, the Nike swoosh is, is is maybe a little bit flatter than than what it will be, but it will certainly be something that looks a bit like that. Um, uh, and um, but at the same time, you know, it's also because you know the people that might be like, oh, might not be the ideal people to be in the business, you know, and maybe you can find some better people to be in the business. So I think, you know, it's it's a brutal sort of Darwinian way of looking at it. But but I think that it 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 is it is it that does represent an opportunity. And it, it also creates an incentive to keep going because frankly, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of people out there who are going, why why would I fucking bother? You know, because it, it's so tough. But I think if you can get your head around the idea that that um you know suddenly all the sacred cows have can be taken out back and shot uh, and and uh you know we, we we're actually just going to really understand what makes this business take really make us under you know what, what really what really works for customers what really works for our team who who's who who is a really positive contributor in this business and who isn't uh and you come out of it just you know uh, like a coiled spring um I, yeah. I think there's something quite exciting about that um and i think it's been a long time um you know i mean i think probably uh in london in london and the southeast which is always be my stomping ground um as far as business is concerned uh I, I think it's been a long time since since we faced this kind of existential recession i mean it's probably really 1991 uh since 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 we had something this this severe obviously this is more severe but 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 you know where people had to make really tough choices you know um and uh i you know listen i, I may be wrong maybe maybe we're heading into uh you know a, a, a long depression but you know, you can't you can't plan for that. If you plan for that, then you close your doors. You know, uh, and yeah. that's that's just not something you can do. But what you can do is is to say uh, that that um, that I want to build. I want to make my business into the best business that it can possibly be. Yeah. Any thoughts on this issue then? That if a lot of the industry is living on fumes, but is faced with this issue that it needs to make sixty to seventy percent potentially of its its team redundant before it starts taking on costs, uh, it's you know many of these businesses just aren't going to have the money in the coffers to pay the redundancy fees, uh, and and that, the only way to get out of those redundancy fees is almost to go into administration. Any thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, well, I have lots of thoughts on that, um, but I'll keep them brief. Um, the the I mean I think. Uh, Absolutely, uh, I would imagine most most companies have at least had a conversation with an insolvency practitioner, um, if not appointed one, um, because you know, in reality, most companies are, you know, would otherwise be wrong, you know, trading wrongfully if they weren't taking measures to, to deal with the fact that they can't pay their their, their liabilities. Um, and uh, so, I think I think it's 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 inevitable that, that that's the case. And I think if you haven't done that. Uh, and you're in hospitality, then 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 it's pro- you're probably not being smart because it, you know there are lots and lots of solutions through a managed process rather than a kind of involuntary insolvency where you sort of suddenly just have to run away. And 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 I mean, I've I've bought a number of restaurants in my life where you can literally see where the, the last service ended. You know, there's sort of still plates for food on the table from three months before. You know, where where they'd obviously just thought. Uh, we can't carry on and just run away, you know. Uh, and uh, you, you, you know, there's no need to be in that situation. I think. I think. I think. You know, my advice, is, strong advice, is that um, if you if you find yourself in a position where you where where you can't pay your obligations, which is basically most people, and even great companies like Weatherspoons, like Lounges, like you know, whoever, uh, have raised a ton of money on the stock market, you know, to get them through this, they've had to. Um, and uh, it, so it's you know there's no shame in it. It's just that if you're small, there's there's you, you can't go to the stock market and go 
I need some more money. Uh, you know, let's make a plan. You know, you can, and there aren't that many investors out there who are going to get that excited about investing in a small group of restaurants. So you have to look at other ways of of of, of cleaning up your balance sheet. Um, and uh, you know, I think insolvency can be one of those. Yeah. Okay. So moving on then to our, uh, you know, the, 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 the re- oh, go on. Sorry. I was going to say one more thing on that, uh, yeah. just to, to reassure people. Um, I think, you know, there's all in the US insolvency has always been, um, you know, not acceptable, but it's been, it's been part and parcel of, of being an entrepreneur. In the UK, people, people have always been terrified of insolvency, uh, because, because of the reputational damage. And I think, I think, you know, in the current situation, I don't think I think the reputational damage will be negligible um, because everyone knows that. You know, particularly in hospitality and retail, everybody knows what a total crisis we're in. Uh, so I just, I just think it's being smart to 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 consider you know all your options in that regard. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you. No, 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 hundred percent actually. And funny enough, that's one of the original reasons I started chatting to uh, to JD right at the start of this. Um, yeah, within within probably the first sort of seven days uh, of it all being announced, was that was that was his uh, background, I think, wasn't it? And I was just saying, right, you know, it, 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 with, with what looks like is coming, uh, can we just have a conversation around how insolvency works? So I so I share your perspective on that hundred percent. I think it gets complicated with. Yeah, Seabills loans and apps. Sorry, go on. He's super smart and all that stuff. You know, he he you know he he that's what that's what he did for a living for many years, and he, he completely gets it in a way yeah. most people don't. So he's definitely 100%. talking to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, and and he has he probably doesn't want to be completely inundated, but he did say if anybody wants any advice on that, you know, just just get in touch with him because that is his his niche and his field. But I agree, um, something you've got to have a look at, and uh, yeah, it's it's a mess, and it's a little bit like the, the nine months sort of you know timeout where you, people are sort of saying, well, you know, how on earth can the landlords cope with that and and i'm, I'm kind of like look most of us taking these seal book c bills apps are going to be paying off or whether it's stock market debt you know where, however you're getting the money you know this is this is a five or six year impact you know we're going to be paying for the repercussions for this period of time over the next five or six years and, and if you can get some assistance on on the rental side of it where, where they take that pain over a much shorter period of time um it, it seems like a fair balance but uh i do think that's going to be vital i think people are starting to panic now that we're only sort of four or five weeks away um we, we really need some to see some movement on that from the government um but but moving in then so so you know looking at looking at how we come out of this a, a lot of operators are already saying look you know we should be released we should be able to operate i personally have got a, a, a takeout on the seafront which we've managed to open but right next to that takeout i've got a 200 seater terrace on the beach which is all fenced off nobody can sit on it the irony of looking out over the sand and seeing lots of people in the ocean and, and sat on the beach enjoying themselves and thinking well i could manage distancing much better on my terrace where it's actually private space than, than in the sort of public space where it can't be managed um plenty of operators uh, are, are ready to go what's your thoughts on on yeah moving forward and how we get out of this and when should it happen well this is this is really um what project pint is all about and i i think it's probably opportune moment to, to, to talk about it um I th- that would be perfect yeah what is it well <laughs> so um at the beginning i mean it's it's it's, it's evolved very quickly but at the beginning of last week um a guardian journalist uh, their digital editor tweeted that you know that he was curious as to how the british would react to watching our continental cousins reopening their their, their bars and cafes and you know would we tolerate it uh and and i i replied um saying that i felt that the people had led the government into lockdown. I mean, from my point of view, uh, I think we were in an increasingly extreme lockdown in the two weeks running up to the announcement. And by the time I left London to, to come down to Devon uh, on the Wednesday before lockdown, I was the only person on the train. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a 
GNER, not so GWR, massive train with like twelve carriages and one person on it. Uh, you know, it was clear that the economy was already in freefall. Uh, it was clear that millions of people were threatened with unemployment, um, and you know, it was catastrophic. Uh, and uh, but but you know, and, and that was without you know that was basically with Boris having said we need to you know wash our hands and, and sing and sing Happy Birthday. Um, uh, and and I think then I think about three or four days before there was that absolutely bizarre announcement saying you know we, we're not going to we're not going to ask restaurants and pubs to close but we advise you not to go to them which I don't know if you remember that but that was the kind of oh god, god yeah, <laughs> bomb, yeah? yeah. Like, I don't think I'll ever forget that week Charlie that was just insane oh for fuck's sake you know, what, what kind of madness is this you know um, but anyway uh, and and so I, I said. Um, I, you know, I think the people the people led uh, the government into lockdown, and the people have to lead the government out of lockdown. Uh, we need to we need to swap Project Fear for Project Pint, uh, and uh, and and I for one am ready to serve. Uh, and 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 I thought I was just being you know witty and 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 trying <laughs> a clever point about you know a, 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 about a government messaging and 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 the fear that there is out in the population. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, fifty three percent of people think the government's going too fast on lockdown. Uh, is the most recent poll, uh, and but what but what happened was a, a whole load of people uh, got in touch. Uh, you know, I got a, my phone rang almost immediately. It was Logan Plant from Beaver Town going, you know, how can I get involved in Project Pint and you know, all this kind of thing, and 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 I, I, lots of messages, as I say, emails, uh, and I, I I sort of felt, um, you know, Project Pint was a, was a, was a figure of speech at that point, but I but I I sort of felt my my that there are there are three main challenges facing uh, our sector. Uh, one is cash. Uh, we've talked about that. There, there ain't enough of it. Uh, the second one is um, distancing, as I, you know, JD insists I call it. Um, yeah, it's going to kill a kitten. Uh, not social distancing, uh, and uh, and how we deal with distancing. And that, and then I think that the, the third one is is uh, FOGO. You know, the fear of going out. Um, and uh, I, I'm, Project Pint is really all about uh, turning FOGO into FOMO. Uh, the, the fear of going out becomes the fear of missing out. Um, and it's 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 really um, the underlying message of the campaign is is that you know we, we to to just remind everybody of how wonderful pubs are, uh, symbolized by not not just pubs but anywhere that serves craft beer, uh, symbolized by the, the 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 cold foaming pint of beer in your hand that you can't have at home. Uh, and uh, that, so that's that's what kind of uh, lies behind it. Um, and then I uh, and, and I, I then started speaking to um, a bunch of people, uh, including m- most you know, Peter Bognil, uh loads of people, but, but m- most and m- most uh, cogently really was with a guy called Ed Amory, who who was until very recently the the, the managing partner at Freud's, um, you know, Matthew Freud's PR company. Uh, very smart guys used to used to influencing government policy, and and he said, um, you know, he and I cooked up a scheme to 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 to, to sort of capture this idea uh, via a change.org petition, uh, which we're launching next week, uh, which is a petition to free the pint, uh, and uh, the idea is this is a fun, warm, positive uh, sentiment uh, that we're going to vote on, which is essentially we want we want our we want our pubs, restaurants, and bars back as they were before, and we want our beer back. Uh, and and uh, with the important proviso, because otherwise I think we look like mad people, 
uh, that, uh, you know, ASAP, comma, when it's safe. Uh, and, and I think that's the messaging, as soon as possible when it's safe. Uh, and and uh, really, it, the campaign is aimed at um, all of those people who are sat at home who genuinely believe that their mates are going to kill their grandmother. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the truth is that for most people, um, other than the two million vulnerable uh, that leaves a lot of people in this country, there is very little threat from 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 coronavirus. We're not we're not getting into that whole debate in the campaign at all. We're not talking about fear. We're not talking about anything else. It's just a positive campaign to free the pint. And alongside that, and underpinning it is 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 something we're calling let let uh, let pub people speak uh, and let pint people speak. And this is just people telling stories through our channels and through their own channels about you know why they want to free the pint and why why they want pubs, restaurants, et cetera, back open as they were before um, because they miss them, because they miss their friends. Uh, they miss the, the convivial experience of, 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 of eating out, drinking out, um, and, and so on. So so really it's just, it's 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 a very non-specific, very positive, very warm, very emotional plea to government to give us, give us our lives back, uh, give us our hospitality lives back. Uh, and it's aimed entirely at uh, the, the, the great British pint drinker, not aimed at the industry, uh, and it's not aimed directly at government. But obviously, the hope is that that if, if we can get enough support and we can get this thing going viral uh, through through um, you know shareable digital content uh, and so on, which is why we're also looking to raise money, which I'll come on to in a minute. Um, you know that we we can maybe get a, a significant amount of signatures. Um, and at that point, it, it starts to become influential on, on, on government policy and government can start considering, you know, how it wants to handle the hospitality industry in a more in a more direct way. If they feel that people are actually actively voting to 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 reopen it in the way it was before more quickly. Um, <clears throat> but also, you know, to think about what the impact of what is still fairly apocalyptic messaging coming out of government is on people. Uh, and it, you know it's having a devastating effect on on people's health, on children's education, uh, on everything else. But you know that that is not that's not our state today. But I think that essentially by by motivating and 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 coalescing the 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 population around a campaign to free the pint, we're hoping it will have those you know positive uh, influence on on on. You know, government thinking and on the population's thinking about going out and about reconnecting with with hospitality. Yeah, nice. I like it. I don't think anybody can argue with the positivity and 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 the desire. I suppose for people to have a nice icy cold pint of beer, uh, particularly in the current weather. So, so the objectives are sort of twofold. Then one is to is to motivate, I guess, the British public to to want to go out mm. for a beer and to support that beloved industry uh, and to help. And the other one is to get the government to respond in some way. What are you looking for from the government to to move? faster i guess there's this conversation isn't there around this sort of stepped approach it feels like you can't treat the entire hospitality industry with with the same measures it feels like most hospitality professionals are literally that they're professionals they understand risk you know we're used to feeding people shellfish and pork and and, and salmonella and you know we know how to keep people safe and the, you know i, I know uh, robin hudson from the pig has been out saying look you know how you treat a, 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 one of his country manners with with potentially 100 acres of, of space might be very different to how you treat a a nightclub or, or or a bar on a high street that's in a basement, you know, with full air conditioning. What's your thoughts on how the government should respond to Project Pint? I suppose. Well, uh, I, I think that the key point about Project Pint is that it, 
it's not making any specific demands. It's an emotional campaign uh, to, to, as I say, to reconnect us with with um, with the pint as a nation, uh, to give everyone the opportunity to go to the pub or go to a restaurant and have a pint. You know, uh, and the pint being, you know, in some ways symbolic of of you know the wider hospitality experience. Uh, and I think one one of the challenges that there's been, um, you know, in the WhatsApp groups and in the campaign groups uh, in hospitality, and I'm sure JD, you know, speak very uh, cogently about this, is is uh, is is that it's been difficult to unite people around one idea, you know. Um, and uh, I think that, that the reason for that is is you know, every, as you say, every business has got a different set of challenges, uh, and every business has a different opportunity. Uh, you know, the difference between a pig restaurant and, or a pig. Are they restaurants? I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah, restaurant and hotel. Generally, generally both. But yeah. Uh, a different, different difference between a pig and a and and uh, and a nightclub is is huge. Uh, and it's diff- you know, they will have you know very different challenges around cash, social distancing, uh, you know, and Fogo. Uh, so, so I think I think the idea is to 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 create a banner around which the industry can unite, which is non-controversial. It's not saying, you know, we want X to be done by Y date. You know, it's not saying we want this kind of nuance for clubs and this kind of nuance for, for hotels. Uh, it's simply saying uh, that, you know, as a population, um, you know, we shouldn't be afraid and we should want to go back out and, 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 and reconnect. Uh, and the, 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 the symbolism of that is to vote to free the pint uh, and and to get our pubs, restaurants, hotels, clubs back open as they were before, as soon as possible when it's safe. And and the point about that is, you know, if we were to say we want pubs open by the fourth of July and we want yeah, hotels open by the fourth of August and nightclubs open by the fourth of September, uh, you know, we're, we're we're a massive hostage to fortune. It's a very movable feast, but also we're not going to get everyone to agree. You know, we're not going to even get the industry to agree. Uh, so, so I, I think, I think that's why it's, 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 it's just, it's really, I mean, in some ways it's a bit of fun. Um, but in other ways it's got a deep underlying message, uh, which is, which is to, um, which is, which is to, 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 to give people a, you know, hope and a reason to live and a reason to want to go out again, uh, which is essentially to, 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 you know, one of the things that they, they miss most. If you look on Twitter, if you look on Instagram, you know, what's my first pint going to be? Who am I going to have it with? What's it, you know? Where am I going to do that? You know, this this is a huge topic, uh, and it's it's something that people people very, feel very emotional about. But you can for pint, you can read anything. You can read meal, you can read you know go out dancing. You can read you know whatever. But but it just it just is. A, I think it's quite a neat way of 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 symbolizing something you can't do at home. Uh, you have to do with friends, uh, and and you have to have in a hospitality context. You know. Mm, perfect no i love it i think it's great and you're right yeah don't don't put uh, too much detail around it it's it's symbolic of a of a bigger picture i guess and in the same way that you say people sort of led us into the lockdown people are probably leading us into project pipe we're seeing a lot more places you know doing takeouts and people going and, and, and drinking in the in the parks and certainly for us down on the seafront you god people were so grateful uh when we opened and start serving them an icy cold beer and sort of very much saw it as a public service and actually the public are really good at, at sort of you know managing the queue and staying apart and and sitting Although the beach has been busy, you know, you can fit hell of a lot of people on a seven mile beach if you're two meters apart. And I've been really impressed. I think you can give people mm. uh, more responsibility maybe than, than, than the, than the Fogos think you can. Yeah, no, to- 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 totally. Uh, and uh, I think, I think people are very sensible um, and uh, you know, because partly because they believe that their health is at risk and now, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's nothing more important than your health. You know, I mean, people are not stupid. I mean, of course, you know, 
potentially, uh, you know, they're always going to be idiots. Um, we know that, but there are idiots, you know, everywhere all the time. And, you know, they just need to be managed, the idiots. And we, in hospitality, we've, we've always had to deal with a few idiots, you know, and that's, that's, that's also fine. Uh, and that's kind of what we're also what we're good at is 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 managing people and particularly nightclubs. You know, it's like constant management of people. You know, don't do this. You can't stand there. You know, you're blocking the fire exit, whatever it is. I mean, I used to own nightclubs, so I'm so I'm um, yeah very very familiar with that. Uh, and I think that's that's where you know uh, Robin's point and Peter Bourdieu's point and your point is is very well made. Is that we are in a much better position to manage this rather than having all these pub gardens that are full of people drinking cans. You know. Uh, not socially distancing, maybe as much as they could, not being managed, not in a safe environment. If that pub was open and being managed, it would be a much better, it would be a much better scenario uh, for for everyone. Um, hmm. But um, no, so but but I but, and I think overall, um, you know, I think I think you know, we we have it, 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 with with the fear that that we've all been subject to through 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 government messaging. I think we have lost sight of the fact that that. Um, the disease is not as dangerous to most people um, as uh, uh, you know, as we all feel it is. And I mean, I you know, I have an I, I have an irrational fear about COVID. You know, um, I, I, I have an irrational fear that that I could catch it and die. But the likelihood is 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 just vanishingly small. You know, it's tiny. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I think Luke, Luke Johnson's point on Question Time that uh, you know you're, you're four times more likely to drown than you are. Uh, to, to, to die of COVID if you're under 60 and don't have a pre-existing condition, you know, and, and I mean, how many people do you know that have drowned? I mean, only 350 people have died under the age of 60 who don't have a pre-existing condition. So, I mean, each one of those deaths is, 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 a, is, a, is an awful tragedy. And I know people who've had it and have had it very badly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very conscious of the fact that it's a very, very dangerous disease uh, if you get it badly. But the fact is most people don't. And, and I, I think this is where Again, you know, um, trying to bring some positivity and trying to, to 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 influence government messaging because the government's aware of all this stuff. You know, they're not idiots; uh, they poll all the time. But I think one of the reasons why the messaging remains uh, very conservative and 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 a touch on the apocalyptic side is because you know they're looking at the polls and their own polling, uh, and it's telling them people are people want to stay at home and they and they are afraid. So I think it, you know we have an obligation as an industry to to reach out to our customers and, and give them give them reasons positive reasons to come out. You know, mm. no, I think I think you're right. So as an industry, then what can the industry do to get behind this? I see the sort of the hashtag Project Pint is going to become a thing. Uh, yeah, what 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 more support can you uh, would you like? Project Pint and Free the Pint are, are, are the hashtags. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> the the exact detail of how industry can can, can be involved. Can get involved is, is being is being uh, finalised on Monday and Tuesday. But essentially, uh, we are looking at all kinds of different ways to drive people into the petition, and part of it will depend on how much money we manage to raise. Um, but in essence, we want, as a very very as a, at, at, the, at the bare minimum, uh, we will be we will be reaching out to all operators and all brewers to get all of their teams um, to get involved in terms of voting and also sharing, um, content online. Uh, and that's our first, you know, that there, there are soldiers uh, and we want them, we want them out there, uh, you know, spreading the word. Uh, and then if, if, if we're successful, which, um, I, you know, there are some good early, early signs that we will be, um, then we will also be investing in some, some shareable content, uh, via companies like, um, jungle creations and lad Bible, uh, to, to, hit up their, their tens of millions of, of engaged um, subscribers and followers. 
to to again you know create fun content to drive people into what is a fun and emotional campaign as i say it's not political it's not about cash it's not about social distancing really it's about just you know a, a positive a positive feeling that i want my pint back um and uh, if, if we manage to do that because i think i think you know it, there's a danger that that if we don't if we if we're not able to, to to break out of the hospitality bubble, that it will be just that it will just stay within the hospitality bubble. Uh, and I would like this to be something that that actually um, engages the whole population. Uh, and it's, it sounds a vainglorious aim, and um, maybe it is, but um, it would be nice if we could if we could do that. Yeah, no, I think that sounds highly possible. Um, is there a website already, or will there be one? Uh, there will be early next week. It's it's. I've I've just been looking at a second draft uh, this morning, um, and uh, we're, we're 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 moving towards that. But I mean, uh, there will be some. You know, there will be a, a significant uh, you know series of launch events online. Uh, in, you know, in the, in the early early to middle part of next week, which will which will leave you in no doubt as to what you need to do. Amazing. And you mentioned fundraising and you wanted to come back to it. What, what, what are you doing yeah, about that? I mean, essentially we, we, we're, we're reaching out to the, to the big pub codes and, 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 and the big restaurant groups, but, but actually probably more significantly to, to, to the big brewers um, as the people with the biggest stake in, 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 in moving in, in changing this message. And, and we're working with UK hospitality uh, and also with the BBPA, which is the, the, the British Beer and Pub Association, um, to try to persuade those guys to to put their hands in their pockets, um, you know, towards uh, towards um, acquiring and disseminating this this uh, social media content um, to, to you know, as I say, tens of millions of people. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, things <coughs> things don't go viral by themselves anymore. Uh, things go viral with the application of cash. Uh, and uh, so if we really want this to happen and we really want uh, to try and move the dial in terms of the public mood, uh, then we will need that money. We think that uh, certainly if we if we were to go as an industry, if we were to go, for example, to Freud's um, uh, and say we want a campaign to move the dial on government, uh, government attitude towards hospitality in COVID uh, and we want to take the British public along with us or the other way around, that's about a quarter of a million for a month's campaign. So uh presumably a lot of that would 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 stick to the sides and Freud's. Um, but you know, it gives you an idea of the kind of order of magnitude of what we need. But you know, these guys have got uh, they're they're all hurting, uh, and everybody's hurting at every level of the market. Uh so it may be that we have to 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 use our wits um rather than our rather than our cash. But it may be that some individuals also want to want to contribute. Um I'm certainly contributing. Uh so um, you know, let's see where we get to. Yeah, sounds great. One of the challenges, actually, sort of randomly with the, with the brewers at the moment, is that they're not uh, producing kegs and delivering them around the country. So the few places that are open, you know, say so we've been open now for about two and a half weeks, yeah. and uh, there's nigh on a black market of, of pre-lockdown kegs of, of yeah, various restaurants and pubs that had sellers full that are selling them to the few places that can open. But what we really need this, the, them to do as well is actually start brewing and supplying again. But they're waiting for the nod from government. But with the, the, the irony is we could actually run out of pints if the if they don't. Start uh soon for the on-trade uh, no i know and um i mean uh, <laughs> one of the nice things about, about lockdown has been i've been sent a lot of beer by people <laughs> because um because you know they've got too much everyone's got too, everyone at the early stage had too much beer um yeah to sell um but um no you're completely right and and i think i think again it's all about clarity of messaging isn't it um yeah and uh, it's all about it's all about you know getting 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 
getting a timetable in place um and and so so that people can because i mean everyone's taken such a hit already that the idea that they'd start brewing with no uncertain market for that i, I get why that why they would yeah absolutely I've, I've, it's sort of been back to the floor week for the ceos but i've spent quite a lot of the last two weeks in fact this morning i, I met my uh, my ops manager this morning at quarter past seven and we were literally lugging uh, 11 kegs of beer around in the back of our cars from another supplier that we've managed to find to, to, to drop a few off so our key thing over the last 10 days has literally been driving kegs of uh, yeah pints around the town which has been um, it's actually been quite good fun getting back on the floor yeah no it's it, well absolutely and, and and i think i think that's what this this time is all about you know it's about it's about it's about reconnecting and and, and, and changing up the changing up the model and yeah no totally yeah um, perfect I'm, I'm i'm very conscious of time but i've got to ask you just yeah penultimate thing probably just on beer so i opened a craft beer place probably about seven years ago and i know you you talk about you know the sort of the rise and rise of craft beer and i was very stubborn for the first two years in in the fact this venue would only sell british you know kind of interesting quirky craft beers mm. and became in- increasingly frustrated and disillusioned uh, by the fact that there was another bar about three doors down from me that that sold you kind of you know your typical sort of multinational brands and, and in the end after two years i had to give in and put in one brand i think it was Estrella that we put on the bar next to all these craft beers and consistently that one recognized brand outsold every other craft beer put together on yeah. the bar what's your thoughts on, on brand and craft beer and and, and yeah would you share that perspective because you made a living out of this for a long time so i'm just interested to know well uh i i i have a i had a very different view and i and i used to have a lot of um I, we obviously employed a lot of people who were who are um you know die in the ditch craft beer fanatics um but i i always took the view that that within the uh monopoly of recognized um international beer brands there were some very very crafty brands in there um i'm thinking of pilsner or quell thinking of budvar uh, you know some some of the great British um, car scales, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There 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 are, there are lots and lots of really high quality beer with 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 a good provenance story uh, and so on. And I and 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 I always felt that beer is not only democratic but it also has better stories, more democratic and has better stories than wine. Uh, so um, my 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 mantra was always that we needed to have stuff on the bar um, that people recognised. Uh, and that uh, which normally which came in a in a good looking glass, uh, and that they could stand and 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 feel good about drinking, and and that was also delicious, and that also had a story behind it. And that didn't necessarily need to be something that had you know been been uh, brewed in a bathtub on an industrial estate. You know, it, it could have been brewed in an amazing underground brewery in the Czech Republic, or it could have been brewed in Munich, or it could have been you know, I mean, you know, Polano being another example. Uh, so I I I was never a purist uh, in that. Regard. Uh, and uh, I, if, if only you'd rung me, uh, I could. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm no longer a purist, but I do feel like you've just summarized two years of my learning in about 30 seconds, which was basically saying, yeah, don't be an idiot, just sell something that I did learn fundamentally you need to sell what people want to buy. Uh, well, and that's not, that's probably not the most complicated business advice in the world, is it? Well, well, yes and no. I mean, I think there are good examples in, in, in very high density uh, locations with, 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 with lots of, you know, lots of hip, lots of hip people. Uh, like, I mean, if you look at some, some of the, some of the, I mean, great example is is the rake in 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 Borough Market, not Borough Market, yes, Borough Market, uh, which um, which you know only sells the beers you're talking about, um, but it is it's a famous for that, and it's set its stall out, and it, it's one of the first, and uh, was one of the first, and uh, and and remains an amazing place to go and have a, a, an extraordinary pint of beer, and I, what they do is incredible, uh, but <laughs> it it. it 
you know that does not have a universal application um, across 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 the UK. And you need to be in a, as I say, you need to have a very high density of hipsters uh, in very very large numbers. Uh, you know, to make that happen. And hipsters is really a kind of shorthand for people who are really interested in provenance, interested in, you know, uh, interested in craft beer per se. Uh, um, you know, but you, you, I don't actually believe in, in even in the phrase craft beer. I mean, I just, I think I'd, 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 I've always tried to call it, um, you know, better beer. Uh, beer with the provenance, beer with the story, beer with the history, whether the history is, is, is immediate in the sense that, you know, it's brewed by some incredible people now and, 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 you know, and they, they, they present well, or whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Pilsner or Quell that's been brewed for 500 years in the, in, in the Czech Republic. I don't mind. Uh, so long as it has that story and, and, and integrity behind it, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, I agree with you 100% now. Um, and I think that's the good thing about our industry is that we are always learning and it is a very creative sector. And, and I too, uh, am very optimistic. I think it's going to be really tough to, to kind of get through this pandemic and come out the other side. But I think those that do, um, you know, are potentially going to be well positioned. I think there has been a bit of a shift probably in the psyche. I think we, we've always loved going to, to bars and restaurants and we've always been a very social species. But I think having it taken away for us from this period of time has made us realise even more, probably similar to, to the NHS you know there's a lot more people showing a lot more more gratitude and respect but I think the other one is that hospitality has come out of this well I think we've been cooking for key workers you know we've demonstrated uh, our charitable kind of uh, stance but I think I think people have always also realized my god you know I really miss my my local bar and restaurant so so I hope there's a really good and positive uh, place that we can come out with any sort of closing thoughts on, on on where you see the industry heading and any positives coming out of this i agree i i i i don't hope i know that people want to go back out it's just a, it's just a question of um you know how quickly um you know they get over the the fear uh, of other people um as potential carriers and uh, of their doom um and and uh, start to start to be um a bit more realistic about um about risk uh, and you know we all take risk every huge amounts of risk every day just going out of the house you know infinitely more likely i mean a child is i think 20 times more likely to be to, to be run over on the way to school than they are to, to 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 either catch corona or infect anyone else with it but you know you, you you can't tell parents that because they've been told by the government that it's that it's that it's a it's, it's a very dangerous disease and and indeed they're still seeing lots of people dying of it so so why would you send your kid to school you know and i, I think so i think getting you know, if we can if we can start to dial back that fear, uh, then I think um, we will very quickly see people back in hospitality because I think they're desperate to do it. I think they're absolutely desperate to do it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, look, I could um, I could chat to you for a, another hour and a half, Charlie, just about your your thoughts on on the industry and get all sort of geeky and detailed on other stuff. But maybe I can come and see you for a pint. We Sorry, could, go on. You could broaden that to my thoughts on life in general. You know, I mean, exactly. Well, I would like that. I would like that. Uh, yeah, but um, maybe we can meet face to face with a pint, uh, especially now that I know you're based in the southwest. This is the point. We need a pint. You know, we can't do it without a pint. And and uh, we so, so hence hence sign the petition next week. Yeah, no, I will 100%, and I'll be supporting it. So um, if people want to follow you, Charlie, and keep in touch with this, where's the best place for them to go? Personally, um, my main focus at the moment is on Twitter, um, at Charlie McVeigh, uh, and, uh, or, or uh, I, do, I, do, I, I, I was more active on Instagram, and um, I'm, I'm going to be back on Instagram uh, on um, uh, at McVeigh underscore Charlie. Uh, and then the, the, the website, when it launches, which will be next week, is projectpint.uk. 
Amazing. Okay, great. Well, I will put some uh, some links to all of those on the show notes for this on humansofhospitality.co.uk as well. Um, but look, Charlie, thank you so much for sparing the time. And thank you for just being a good egg in our industry and sort of sticking your head above the parapet and representing us. It's, uh, it's hugely appreciated. And you. Okay, mate. All the best. Cheers. Thanks, Charlie. So there you have it, a heap of useful information from Charlie. And one day I will catch up with him again to explore his wider views on life in general because I really, really enjoy Charlie's perspectives. For now, do head over to the humansofhospitality.co.uk website to find all of the links that Charlie just mentioned, both to Project Pint and his personal social media pages. And whilst you are there, please sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep up to date with the latest episodes and hit the donate button if you can possibly afford to buy me a pint and to help keep this podcast on the air okay until next time thank you